Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I just don't really know where the minds are of people that don't understand logical arguments anymore, you know, and it's just hysteria. And I'm not even so sure that there's that many people that feel that way. Yeah. Like there may be just kind of like a blown up of artificial people online or something that are kind of making it seem like people believe in this nonsense. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, there's a slightly likable part of Dylan. So I'm not trying to make on Dylan Mulvaney too hard, but I mean, who is buying Bud Light after that? Who is buying a Tampax tampon? I mean, who are they impressing with that, you know? What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, and for the first time on the show, I saw her at the anti-war rally, and I think she has a fantastic voice, fantastic music, and a uh, fantastic outlook on life. I have Tatiana Moroz with me. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me today. Of course. Well, um, I guess first things first, uh, give yourself a brief introduction for anybody that may not know you. Uh, sure. So my name is Tatiana Moroz. I am a singer-songwriter from New Jersey. I got involved in the Ron Paul movement in 2011, 2012. Um, I got a chance to sing all around the country um, in support of Dr. Paul. In, 20, um, in about August of 2012, I lost my faith in the political process, and that's when I found out about Bitcoin. Um, I bought my first Bitcoins at $11. Sadly, I was a lowly musician without a lot of money to invest in the first place. But nonetheless, that kind of took me on a journey um, down into the decentralization world and in general giving me, I guess, an apolitical solution to a problem that's been plaguing mankind for thousands of years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, um, you know, obviously, as you can see, there's um, we share musicianship in common. <laughs> but um, so, w- what was kind of like your inspiration for getting into music? And then, obviously, we can get into the political stuff later. But I'm really, really intrigued about your music, and I was listening to it today. And I-, I think you know that sometimes when people make culturally or politically charged music, sometimes it's just off-putting i don't see your music that way at all i find it to be very very just enjoyable and it doesn't seem like it's really forcing of you like obviously you have your opinions and your views but like it doesn't feel like it's just about that it feels like something bigger um thank you well you know i think that um when you're trying to write music with a message you run the risk of sounding kind of preachy and so i want to have like an organic integration of you know, my worldview into my songs. A lot of times people will pressure me to do, you know, like a, like a song about a subject and beyond just general touching upon themes that are kind of naturally inspired. I don't really see the the reason. Um, I do like writing topical songs. Um, I like writing jingles and stuff like that. I enjoyed writing the Silk Road song um, because I felt like that was a subject that is, really difficult to get across but when you have music to soften the blow so to speak and kind of open up people to some kind of information that maybe is a little bit different from the mainstream i think it's super helpful um so yeah i like to i like to use you know some messages in some of my songs but not all of them like this new record is called love songs for idiots um 
So that I think is in a way, you know, people in activism and Bitcoin and all these things, like they are, are all functioning on an external um, kind of like solutions based pattern. And, and what I find, and also a good friend of mine, Carrie Wedler, also from the libertarian movement, mm-hmm. like we've talked over the years, a lot about just personal growth and emotional development and how important that is in order to build this, you know, world you want to see around you. Um, so I think for Love Songs for Idiots, I think it was a little bit more of like a, you know, a, a self-reflective album and also very kind of, I guess, vulnerable from a love perspective. But then, you know, how can I not have a song that's a little bit more confrontational with a song like What You Gonna Do, which is what I sang at the Rage Against the War rally. And you know, that song is meant to be confrontational, but it also is sort of open-ended. Um, I was inspired by the idea of, you know, what what do people do when, you know, you have a Nazi invasion? My, my mom is Polish. My family on that side is Polish. I grew up going there. Um, you know, what was it that made them fight back against the Nazis? What made it that other people didn't? And what was the outcome? And now with everything that's gone on, especially the past few years, I mean, even much more terrifying than what's been going on for the past 20, which was already pretty bad. Um, it just seems like we need to be digging a little bit deeper and um, and beyond just even like the, the superficial solutions that you see with like the political pundits, right? Um, what will really make us happy? What is like a more deeper meaning to why we're here? I think that these questions can be answered like with arguments between Tucker Carlson and like Megyn Kelly or some weirdos, <laughs> you know? Like, I just don't think that that's where, that's where the truth is found. Um, so yeah, so with a song like that, you know, you ask the person, you know, what kind of person are you? What you gonna do when they come for you? Are you gonna lay down and die? Um, and sometimes that may even be the right choice, right? I'm not even saying like, all right, anytime you're confronted by authority, like just mess them up and start shooting. Like, no, 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 no. I'm just saying if things got really bad, what kind of a neighbor are you going to be? You know, what kind of friend are you going to be? What kind of family member are you going to be? Are you going to be somebody that people can count on that keeps, you know, a, like a cool, you know, cool as cucumber, but still also kind to people? I mean... These are the kind of questions I think that people should be asking themselves because I think we're we still have some rough roads ahead. And um, and so there's like a balance between, you know, how do we show examples for other people? And then how do we also have the right relationships in our lives to keep reinvigorating us to go out and give uh, give the good fight? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing that you kind of touched on there was um, a little bit of the World War Two stuff. And one book that I talk about a lot is uh, Ordinary Men, because I just found that to be an absolutely fascinating read. But, um, you know, it does kind of break down the psychology of Nazi soldiers and kind of how they moved to be from ordinary people to the literal Nazis that would enforce and kill people and, you know, send them on the boxcars and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just the I like that open-ended idea of, you know, what would you do and what are you going to do when, you know, your time comes. And I think I've also heard you talk about the line from Alexander Solzhenitsyn where um, the line of good and evil runs through every human heart. And that is a very, very, a very, very powerful idea because it does go to this larger idea that um, society is kind of moved by, you know, the little actions over the course of time, you know, kind of generating more positive momentum versus negative momentum. So it, it may be putting the grocery cart back, which may not seem that big, but, you know, if everyone just left the grocery carts right in the middle of the parking lot, then, you know, it, we'd have a mess. So well, um, why are trying to take away the job from the grocery cart person, though. That would be the kind <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know, do you just want to automate their job away too? Mm-hmm. Why are you thinking of the poor people that need the job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, everybody needs work. So, you know, I, I dump oil on the floor. I'm a mechanic by trade. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I say, well, you know, we, we pay a cleaning clue for a reason. But, you know, obviously, um, yeah, there's there's more nuance to that. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing that kind of irritated me as a musician, and not that I'm a professional musician, but um, I, I see people always saying, well, just shut up and play music. But it's like after 2020 in particular – I really want to hear these people speak up because I think there's a lot of people who feel like the culture surrounding a lot of musicians is that of, you know, maybe a little bit more left leaning because these are more artsy people. But, um, you know, you have your Ted Nugent, you have someone like you, you have someone like Tommy Vexed. Um, 
or someone like David Sanchez, who's a little bit more open mind, or I don't even want to say open mind, but more like right of center. And they're not afraid to speak out against some of the stuff that went on over the last three years. And I think we need more of that. So I, I just don't like this idea of telling a specific group of people to just shut up and play music. Like, you know, if your music is about that, that's fine. And, you know, whatever you want to do, just express yourself artfully, that's fine. But like, you know, I'm okay with apolitical stuff, but even like political themes in music is fine too. There's like a fine balance. I think some people just want to just listen to the music and, you know, expect that the people behind it don't have any underlying agenda, but you know, we're all humans. Yeah. I mean, I think that over the years, there's been a lot of disappointing people that I looked up to from the sixties and seventies, you know, in terms of being these voices rebelling against the status quo. Um, Neil Young is a perfect example, you know, I mean, you had Eric Clapton who, and Van Morrison for that matter, who came out on the team of freedom, but Mm -hmm. in general, it's become considered acceptable for only a really left-wing perspective to be the moral position. Not just, you know, like, oh, this is cool, this is radical, but it's the only moral position. And it continues to be framed that way while things become less liberal and more really outside the, the you know, the realm of what normal people want. Like, look at Florida. People are mad about the don't say gay bill, but that's not what it's about. It's saying, like, don't talk to kids about sex ed under, I don't know, third grade, sixth grade, either way. I mean, do you really need people talking to your kid about that? Like at all of any kind of sexuality? I don't think so. Um, And that seems kind of reasonable. The whole Nashville thing where there was that country star and she came out saying, oh, I stand with the trannies. And it's like, nobody's saying that you can't be a tranny. No one's saying you can't have a drag show. Just stop inviting kids and showing them your crotch. Like, that just doesn't seem that unusual. So um, I wonder how much longer artists are going to continue to kind of be Muppet people. Because, you know, when you're an artist, I think a lot about this kind of stuff. Like, you you have something to prove, right? You weren't listened to as a kid. Now you want everybody to hear your songs. You'd be like, you know what? You're right about everything that's ever wrong happened to you. Mm-hmm. Um. And so as a result, like, oh, fuck. Excuse me. I didn't mean to curse. And also, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, Dang, do you recall? I had a point. You were were going on with uh, basically how how much longer the music industry is going to kind of accept people just kind of towing the same line, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I just think that, you know, like, it's just these people that join the music industry are basically, you know, coming from broken homes. So they're desperate for approval, right? But at some point, sense has to come in. The sad thing is, is that there's always going to be some abused kid that's like, I'm going to, you know, pull a Dylan Mulvaney and just go really, really over the top, completely preposterous behavior. And because it's so crazy, people are going to keep looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there's a lot of weird incentives in the music industry with the advent of social media, um, you know, with the the just competition to the bottom, like the race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see how that's going to play out. And then also, I mean, musicians want to feel authentic. So how long are they going to kind of put their head in the sand and not see the things that are going around them? I'm not sure. And the sad thing is, is that like, every time you have a conversation like this, you have to put the caveat like, I don't hate, you know, anybody. I don't want anybody to be, you know, like hate crimes or whatever it is that people are are kind of concerned about. But I just think that when you start normalizing that around children, I think that's obviously wrong. I don't understand why that's a, you know, wild position. And it really makes you think like, wow, maybe we really do have evil overlords that are pedophiles that are in charge. I mean, people will say that's a, conspiracy theory but do we really need to have all these like wangs in the face i mean i don't even want to see that like i'm a grown woman i don't want to see that kind of a performance i don't know anybody who does whatever they want to see it but just keep it away from the kids that's all yeah um it's it's so funny that you said like you always have to add the caveat that i'm not a racist i'm not this i'm not that you know i have 
insert, you know, marginalized group here as a friend. It's so ridiculous because it starts with the assumption that when you dissent from this mainstream progressive narrative, that you are like by default a bigot. So you have to caveat that. But like it's baking in the assumption, like I said, you're a bad person, you know, from their perspective, which is just such a silly notion that, you know, you assume right off the bat just because somebody has like a slightly different view than you that they're a bad person and I, I just can't stand that e when it goes either way because you should just assume that someone that comes from a different perspective is an asshole like that's just it's dumb but do you think that it's even a worthwhile conversation to engage in for example I had family that did not believe uh, my skepticism around COVID Mm -hmm. And some of them took the vax, some of them didn't. But overall, like nobody's ever apologized to me. So I'm feeling like, yeah, these people are really not salvageable. No offense. I mean, sure, you might make the extra effort with your family, but the family is like a little small example, a little window into how people have behaved and how even if they're family, they still don't necessarily feel like, hey, you know what? Now that all this stuff is coming out, all these people are cooking and, you know, um, all these miscarriages and all the other stuff is happening. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I want to say, hey, sorry for um, making you feel like a leper. But no, nobody thinks to do that. So I don't know, you know, it seems like we're headed for a civil war in this country and it doesn't seem obviously like a great thing, right? Like nobody wants any kind of war. It's always so glamorized. It's not how it is in real life. But I just don't really know where the minds are of people that don't understand logical arguments anymore, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just hysteria. And I'm not even so sure that there's that many people that feel that way. Yeah. You know, like there may be just kind of like a blown up of artificial people online or something that are kind of making it seem like people believe in this nonsense. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine you know, there's a slightly likable part of Dylan. So I'm not trying to make on Dylan Mulvaney too hard. But, I mean, who is buying Bud Light after that? Who is buying a Tampax tampon? I mean, who are they impressing with that, you know? I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important, so make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Beer is a man's drink. Women don't drink beer. Guys don't want to hang out with trans guys. Sorry, you know, so I, I just, I think the whole thing is just like, I, it's, it's exhausting to watch it and be expected to have a straight face and, and like, take it seriously, you know, like, mm, oh, really, you know, like, it's like somebody came up to you and they had like a muscle on, like, you know, cat ears and they started meowing at you, you're supposed to say, it's a little bit excessive because, you know, I, I think actually, I think a lot of people who are struggling with, um, with trans stuff are probably out of balance, like hormonally from food sure, and right. environmental things. Yeah. Um, and I'm not even saying like, look, if somebody wants to be trans, whatever, just the chopping of, of the parts is where I kind of like draw the line. And, and I don't think that the, the hormones are particularly helpful. Yeah. Overall. I mean, even if I, I don't mean to like show myself as a trans foe, but I don't even consider it phobic. I just don't think it, it's particularly healthy. Right. Um, as like a default, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody's having this dysmor body dysmorphia, they could maybe think of a few other things first. I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't experienced that before. And like, you know, people make fun of Alex Jones. Oh, they're turning the frogs gay. Ha 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 ha. And, um, but there's something to that, right? Like they put weird hormones in our foods and they mess around with us. So why not? Mm -hmm. So in which case those people are victims and- I don't really 
And I wouldn't misgender somebody if they want me to call them he or she. Like, if they're dressing up like the opposite sex, I'm not going to torture them or anything. But I just, you know, there has to be a little bit of an objective reality. And we keep fudging that up under the guise of being nice. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that being nice is really the objective. Like, it's like we have this weird inverted kind of Nazism. But, like, everybody's imprisoned into like this group thing by saying like you don't want to be mean or bigoted or this or that <clears throat> so it's a problem yeah yeah well people always say like don't be judgmental but um i really do think that we need to be more judgmental and we need to hold people to higher standards because when you see stuff like that it's like well you need help of some sort and like you said i don't have a problem with trans people i don't care but like this idea that this is glorified and when you see the you know the the white house coming out with a press announcement saying this is like trans day remembrance is like wh- what are we doing like if people vengeance are- of not just trans remembrance vengeance that was the whole right. marketing theme and this is right after all those people died in nashville right which is really kind of unfathomable that there was no I don't know, just, like, certain people are A-OK to shoot, and certain people, like, I don't know, they're just trying to incite a race war, too. So you've got the trans war, the race war, the the gays and lesbians are just getting dragged into it. They're like, oh, we were fine. We're good. You know, now they're just getting dragged into it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the the objective, I think, is to find people's differences, I don't know, though. Like, it's that half and half, right? Like, the part of me that has a sense of humanity's deeper purpose wants to unify. The part that lives in reality and in logic says these people are maniacs and they need to be stopped. <laughs> so, you know, you got to kind of choose your um, choose your approach there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, kind of going back to the anti-war rally, that kind of gave me hope that people can kind of come across all sorts of different political spectrums to come together under kind of one flag. And for me, I've grown up around right-wingers my entire life because, you know, my family owns an automotive business. I worked in, you know, General Motors dealerships for the last 10 years. So it was really kind of cool to me to get to see other people. And I've grown up in Southwestern Pennsylvania my entire life. So it's more of like a rural area. So when I got to kind of interact with a lot of people who were probably completely opposite sides of the political spectrum for me, it was really, really interesting. It kind of gave me hope. Um, What did you kind of think? Do you think we're going to see more stuff like that? Or do you think that it was as messy as people made it out to be? Wait, what do you mean more stuff like what? Like the anti-war rally and maybe some more, I don't even want to say single issue coalitions that come together on big picture stuff. You know, it's great for a number of different reasons to come together with people of differing views under the banner of anti-war. And that is a very important underpinning, like that is, you know, one of the main things that we're kind of focusing on. Mm -hmm. But really super into commies so like listening it's really really like hard to stomach and you know that kind of mentality gets you down the path of all this other stuff right that that we don't want to have happen and to pretend that a certain ideology doesn't lead to that is really difficult to ignore Mm -hmm. and when you think about economics and you think about explaining them to somebody who likes Bernie or something, like after a while, like you just want to bang your head against the wall because it's yeah. not that hard to understand. Like I'm not, I'm a musician. I'm not a math genius, right? Like mm-hmm. why is it that I can understand basic tenets of economics and a bunch of musicians can't like, and I think it's really like a social programming and, and like, an unwillingness to to expand the mind beyond certain boundaries that are just kind of imprinted without us even knowing what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree to um to a pretty large degree. Um, it, it's it's kind of tough because it's like where do you find that line? Because like if you look on the right right now, um, they're good on Ukraine. They could be better on like Israel, Iran, but um, 
then when it comes to China, they believe that we have to do everything we can to, you know, gin up tensions with China and bomb, you know, the border of Texas and drone strike and start a war against the cartels against Mexico. Right. A lot of the Republicans are kind of putting this out there now. And then on the left, like the very, very small faction of anti-war left people, they're good on all of it. And this is kind of, it's a very odd thing for me to kind of recognize, like, holy shit, these people of the left that, like, I completely disagree with the majority of things on, um, they're really the only ones that seem to be good all around when it comes to anti-war stuff. But then, like you said, when you're talking about economic stuff, it's like, come on. (laughs) I mean, do you feel like there's an anti-war left? Because I haven't really heard that voice um, be active for quite a while. Um there have been kind of comparisons of different um, rallies and, and like different kinds of like groups or whatever people. And, you know, you had thousands and thousands upon thousands of people 20 years ago protesting the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. But now you've got. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You know, 5,000 probably was what we saw through that day, maybe four to 5,000, something in that range. Um, But then you have, you know, the Women's March, which no offense to ladies, but I feel like, you know, not dying in nuclear war seems a little bit more important. Just a little. Just saying. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit challenging to, to, to overlook that glaring um gap in knowledge you know yeah yeah um when it comes to like the anti-imperialist left i would think uh, i don't even want to say misty winston because she doesn't necessarily call herself a leftist but um she kind of seems more comfortable in that pocket um let's say someone like jimmy Dore, abby and robbie martin mike preisner um there's just kind of the few names that come off um come off the top of the head maybe even like kim iverson even though she's kind of I don't want to say gone right, but she seems more open to voting for Republicans and, you know, kind of that ilk. So those are kind of like the main people. And they have a pretty – all of those people mentioned kind of decent followings. But um, at the same time, they also – I hate saying that they're lean right, but they almost play to a more right-leaning audience or at least a right-leaning audience is a little bit more open to them because they're not as dumb on COVID and other stuff and they're more – willing to have conversations with people who disagree whereas like radical progressives someone like you know aoc or rashida talib or even like ilhan omar who's gone on israel just because she's a palestinian she hates you know the jays um you know they're not as willing to have a conversation let's say with more anti-war people um so like when you saw matt gates putting forth um you know, different resolutions to repeal different AUMFs. Um, I don't believe there was a lot of reaching over the aisle to vote in support of him from a lot of the left. Hmm. I don't know. Things are like, do you even feel like voting is legitimate though? Like no. I don't even care at all anymore. So I feel like a lot of these arguments that everybody has, is like, shift to vote and our vote has to count. He stole the vote mm-hmm. and we got a registered vote. Like, Voting and believing in voting is important on some level, but on another weird level, it's kind of like, no, don't even believe in it. Give up, give up on voting. And then go really interesting um, in terms of like what people look for in terms of solutions. That's my issue with with looking at voting. And that's why I got so interested in Bitcoin was because like, you're not going to vote your way out of this one, guys. And, uh, and like voting harder isn't going to work. I mean, how many years... Have people been like, we're going to mobilize and we're going to do this. I mean, they cheated with Ron Paul. Why would you think that they're not going to cheat with anybody else? And I mean, I like Trump in certain ways, but he's not really like that fantastic. You know, he did some good things and then he did some things like, I don't know, not pardoning anybody worthwhile instead pardoning like Lil Wayne and then that 
Lagovich guy or whatever from Chicago instead of, you know, Ross Ulbrich, Snowden, Assange. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's really into freedom and freedom of press and all this stuff, I mean, the the Assange thing alone, it's very, very off-putting. Yeah. So I don't trust any of these guys. He might be the outsider candidate, I guess. You know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, I mean, to me, the real outsider is Satoshi Nakamoto. You know, that's what I'm talking about in terms of an outsider, because then you're actually giving people alternatives to the infrastructures that they can off-ramp onto in case of emergency or in case of just wanting to, you know? So um, I can't ever say I've been convinced of Bitcoin, and I've had Natalie Brunel on, if you're familiar with her. Um, I think she's great, but... um, what kind of convinced you on Bitcoin? Because I know that's another one of your big things is a cryptocurrency. Um, I view it as an anti-war currency. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if you withdraw your money from the system and you put it into this alternative system, they can't extract it from you via taxes as easily. Sure, they can show up with a gun and say, hey, what's this, you know? Bitcoin activity if somehow they have your information, but for the most part, it keeps you outside the system and it's a peaceful withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, I've been happy to be observing Bitcoin grow for, you know, 10 years now. And I've been really happy with, um, you know, with the returns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're pretty good. Uh, you know, different, different years. It's like, you know, a different experience, but I think it's just, while everybody is in a constant state of despair because all they're thinking about is voting, I think that when you have something like Bitcoin, you can skip a lot of the difficult political conversations. You can educate people still about Austrian economics and all the other fun things that you learn from libertarianism, but you don't have to win that battle. Like that education comes as people become more familiar with using alternative currencies and thinking about what is the nature of money what makes money money and what can be an alternative to money okay so it kind of sounds like you're touching on a little bit of like the the broadness of its use and um one thing that i always liked as well was kind of like the networking capabilities where um I've heard you talk about this before as well, where like wire transfers can sometimes take days, whereas I'm transacting through um, some sort of cryptocurrency, maybe a little bit more immediate. Do you have anything else to kind of like elaborate and add to that? Well, also, I mean, anybody can use it. Mm -hmm. Um, One day, somebody's a hero. The next day, they're a terrorist, right? Um, Who's making those decisions? Uh, we've got all these CBDCs coming in and I don't know about you, but I personally don't really think that the government should control every penny that I spend. So before it was a nice, happy alternative. Now it's almost a necessity as an alternative because I know that I certainly don't want to have every single thing that I'm doing monitored and I don't think other people do, but you know, as we've seen with everything else that people are dissatisfied with, I mean, what's everybody doing? Always like going to the government, like taking up arms and saying, "Listen, guys, you better do what we say." And and the, this like little January sixth thing. I mean, I'm not advocating for people to do that, but I mean, where's the teeth on the populace? Um, and frankly, I don't want to show my teeth. I don't want anybody to show their teeth. I like all the guns to stay away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why when you have something like Bitcoin, you really have an alternative. Um, and now it's becoming a little bit more dangerous to say things like that. But oh well. You know, um, sure, there are a lot of moments that people should have taken advantage of saying something before things devolved in World War II, and this seems like a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so what do you see kind of the future of cryptocurrency being? Um, the one thing that I've kind of bounced around in my mind was like, was Bitcoin almost something to prepare people to kind of accept a CBDC, or do you... And that's not something uh, or a hypothesis I necessarily bite on wholesale, but it's kind of an interesting thought pattern because that kind of was like the first big marketed 
um, cryptocurrency. Like I said, I, I don't know where I necessarily fall in. It's just because I'm very, very ignorant of of um, cryptocurrencies. But obviously, a CBDC is kind of like the government's wet dream, right? They get everything they want. They can control, you know, where the money goes, how much of it there is, and whether you could spend it or not. So I know I kind of threw a lot at you there, but um, yeah. Well, I just don't know, you know, where Bitcoin came from. None of us know. I think that there's a reason on some level to be like, hmm, did this come from the overlords to kind of trick us and get all the liberty people on board and then get people used to it and then put them onto this other thing? Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I mean, that just seems like an exhausting, pointless um, way of thinking about it. You know, just the same way that the internet um was kind of by the government and now is used by freedom lovers and governments and uh, and everybody in between you know there's a lot of different different actors on the stage taking advantage um so i mean you've got bitcoin and cryptocurrency and then you have like the concept of web3 right where you like own your content and there's different ways of interacting with people for commerce in general so um, will there be a place for non-CBDCs? I hope so. There better be. I can't imagine that those losers are going to totally, you know, squash the competition. But I think a lot of the, the altcoins are going to have some problems. You know, a lot of them are securities. And there doesn't really exist a framework where there's a place for that experimentation. There's no real incentive for the overlords to have that necessarily. I mean... Unless there's one that I'm not thinking of. But um, yeah, so I think that people are going to keep trying to innovate, but they will run into roadblocks from government and they're going to try and get their, you know, um, their control really deep into the backs of the people. Yeah. The the other thing that's kind of risen up a lot over the last couple of years is uh, NFTs. Um, once again, this is another thing that I'm not quite insanely well read on. But uh, I hear a lot of people kind of talking about how this could be used in like a legal sense for contracts and stuff like that. Um, do you have thoughts on that? And if you do, kind of what's your thoughts on the use of NFTs? Um, I mean, you can use NFTs in a million different ways. It's such a like it's it's kind of like a universal thing because mm-hmm. it's really a, it's it's the point of it is is that it's a finite item in a digital form. So you can assign it to, let's say, this is the title of your car. You could say this is a song. This is a ticket to a concert. This is, um, you know, a representative of a like software agreement. I mean, it can be a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of concepts in crypto and blockchain have come and gone and are kind of recycled like renaming different ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we just have a lot of mistakes to be made still. And then everybody in between is just kind of like, you know, experimenting and hoping not to get in trouble by accidentally creating something that pisses off the government. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a bit of a work in progress. Um, The NFT market uh, you know, I think that there's there's a lot of historical NFTs. Like I have some historical NFTs. I hope that they go up in value. Uh, meaning of my my Tatiana coins and and different like tokens that I made early on. Um, but I mean, and I think that we'll see more use of these things like five or ten years from now versus like one to three. Mm-hmm. Even though we'll see like hints of it, it's still kind of far out there, and, and it's hard for people to kind of imagine what that's like. Sorry, I have an animal that's attacking me. Oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, uh, you could probably see my dogs running. Oh, my God. Look at that little fluff ball. Yeah, yes. oh, um, two, I have three, but two of them came up here, and they kind of like to walk around. And my pit bull will occasionally come in here, and then she'll climb on top of my lap in the middle of when I'm talking. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely understand. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. 
I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. And uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash inliberty and health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys. Thanks. Um, so one thing that I was kind of kicking around the idea of is um, some kind of a lot of artists complain about making money through their music because Spotify pays like, what is it? One, a hundred thousandth of a penny per play or something like that. It's something infinitesimally small. Um, do you see cryptocurrency as a potential remedy for something like this? Because I feel like there's a huge potential there that no one's really kind of come around to. And I know you've kind of dabbled with this a little bit with your Tatiana coin. Um, just kind of curious your thoughts there as well. Um, I think that, Artists have a terrifying road ahead, and I've spent a fair amount of time recently kind of lamenting that, you know, you've got um, music that is rewarded not at all based on talent, based on shock value, um, money, um, if you can, like, show your boobs or have like a crazy fight or have some kind of like degen personality or whatever. And if you just want to make something that's like a little bit more subtle, a little bit more personal, it's really, really hard to cut through the noise. And, you know, now I'm putting out this record and I mean, it's such a good record, mm-hmm. but it's also super depressing to put it out. I know that's all anybody hears. So maybe like, oh, record's out. Yeah. Go buy it. But like, it just doesn't translate into anything that covers even one twentieth of the investment that you make financially mm-hmm. creating your work. And with that kind of a an outlook and a economy that's gonna be kind of hard to manage, right? Like with AI displacing people and like whole slew of other things coming down the pike. I just don't see how artists can be sustainable unless they do something like a Web3 um, solution, like a Tatiana coin or issuing NFTs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that that forces you to become, you know, an art dealer and now like a tech star and all these things. And I don't think that you have to be those things in order to be a good artist. And I would hate to not get to listen to music because somebody was sucky at social media, you know? Um, So that's why for me, even though it's more glamorous to have, you know, sexy, famous superstars advocating for like a way of approaching, you know, some of these blockchain solutions, like what I would like to do is apply that for for independent artists. Mm -hmm. Those to foster just sustainable careers, less waitresses, more songs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I um I completely agree with that. But you look at like touring bands now. So like the one band I kind of think of would be um the first example that comes to mind is a Testament, and they're one of like the biggest thrash metal bands out there. And their bass player made like thirty seven thousand dollars a year, which like that's not a lot of money at all. I mean, here in Pennsylvania, if the cost of living is pretty low, and you could probably get like a pretty shitty house for like that much um you know per year you could afford it but like still you're playing for one of the biggest thrash bands in like the last 50 years and you didn't even make forty thousand dollars like that is unreal and then you have another band like like the torch who said hey we can't tour because we can't afford a tour bus or stuff like this and now you see venues taking these large cuts of their merch sales because that's another way that they make money and then you know the tickets um 
Ticketmaster and all these other kind of companies that do ticket sales for you, taking these huge chunk of tickets. Um, I really don't think we're ever going to see another like Metallica, you know, we're never going to see this huge band that does these enormous, well-produced stores. I think you're just going to see lots of big festivals and that's going to be like, it. you're not going to see as many touring bands anymore just because it's not a feasible way to make a living anymore. No, it's not. And also, like, I know that I have friends that are DJs, but they're just going to have to accept it. But, like, I don't respect them. Like, okay, DJs are mildly, like, cool. Yeah, all right. DJ's cool. But, like, you can't compare a DJ to Stevie Wonder. You can't compare a DJ to Prince, to Michael Jackson, Guns N' Roses. So, like, any band, basically, before, like, you know, the stupid Backstreet Boys and those idiots took over. Like, it's not a legitimate thing, and I'm saying tired of people acting like it is. And yet, they generate so much more money than regular old bands, and people are interested in it. And also, sad, sadly and terrifyingly so, there are a ton of people that are just being driven into gaming, Mm-hmm. And I mean, God, if there's ever an example of less manliness, it's like video games. Jesus Christ, like kill us all. Like we're all doomed. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like video game love. I mean, give me a break. So I, I just, I think that if everybody's using their leisure time to like go pew pew and like, I mean, I, I just, I don't see where, where we're going to have music and, you know, music's the great sell for humanity, right? Like nerdy guys, they get lead because of guitars. You know what I mean? Like, what are they going to do? Nobody's going to have sex with them if they're, like, playing video games, no guitars. Like, they're never going to get lead. So, you know, we, we've got we've got a lot of big problems ahead of us in humanity. And I think, you know, it's really easy to become, like, either, well, kind of, like, nihilistic. But then, on the other hand, like, super, like, Christian or God-driven or, like, you know, that there's some kind of like purpose behind it all. Right. Um, and even though I waffle between the two of them, I think like the only way to really look at it is by thinking that there's like a reason for it all. Um, I just, I don't think at the end, at the end of the day, like that, like kind of like, ah, none of it matters ends up working. Like it works for a little while, but I don't think that it's like a sustainable outlook on life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So I guess, uh, kind of rounding things out here. Um, what gives you hope about the future? Um, small acts of kindness. You know, people are still okay to each other and they, they want to be, you know, so that's encouraging. Um, people getting together, even though there's not a lot of people necessarily in the cause. Like, I thought that, that we actually had a lot of people in Rage Against War, but in some ways we didn't, right? But, like, the fact that people are still getting together and they don't get that thrill of having, like, you know, all those people virtue signaling when they go to those stupid idiot rallies, like, they all get such a juicy, juicy juice from it. But if you're willing to go up against, you know, the war machine and not necessarily have everybody standing by your side, but you do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. Like, those are the examples that we need. We need people to stand up, do the right thing, and hopefully more people will will continue to do that, like, once they see it more around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, somebody that I just had on the podcast recently had said, um, courage, or, yeah, courage is contagious, but so is cowardice. And um, I couldn't think of a uh, better saying than that because it really is true. It does kind of um as we said earlier the light of good and evil goes through every human heart and you know small acts of kindness do kind of generate a little bit momentum and if somebody sees you pay it forward then they may feel inclined to do the same yeah well i hope so but you know you always can't count on that either so mm-hmm. that's the other bummer right you have to just do things like not because you're going to get a reward or because people are going to think you're a nice person or you get a cookie but you know and there's going to be sacrifices that have to be made mm-hmm. um and um and i hope that people are brave enough to make them you know like think about i think about that guy i don't know i don't know this case that well but you know these people in nashville i guess the janitor guy ran ahead and kind of threw his body in front so like less children would die like he died but man he's a rock star like Mm -hmm. can you imagine going out for anything better than that what do you want to die in your bed 
I mean, yeah, for some reason, yes. But on another reason, like, wow, that's some serious glory. You know, like you definitely get much closer to nirvana or getting into heaven or however you want to look at it by pulling something like that. So sometimes things are worth dying for. I mean, I don't want anybody to die. I want everybody to live a long, happy life. And, And I don't think that people should romanticize, you know, dying for a cause. But, you know, sometimes you gotta go. Yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said for somebody that um sees that as the greater good and something worth sacrificing for. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of need to focus on rather than the day-to-day bullshit. Think about something bigger than you. And I think that's what not necessarily how we should maybe treat the liberty movement, but our um, you know, our families and our communities is something bigger than us that we're willing to lay down our life for to um preserve the prosperity and the um the sanctity of that yeah well there's got to be a middle ground right you can't just like go willingly like giving it all up because you know there are people that need each other right mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean we're all faced with different different choices right now and we can just do our best and i don't know pray that there's some semblance of meaning out there because otherwise a lot of it seems pretty unfair if there was just no know anything afterward you know yeah um well Tatiana, i've enjoyed this uh conversation go ahead uh plug away and anything you got going on that uh, you want people to know about go ahead um let everybody know oh thank you well um people can go to tatianamrose.com you can get all my latest news and stuff like that uh please check out the record love songs for idiots and i would encourage people if they listen and they like it to please share it because you know it is getting through the algorithms um I don't know. I, I just love every song on the record. So, uh, and then they also get like a little bit of exposure to AI art. So a lot of the artwork that we did was uh, partially AI generated um, with also like a human touch. So that was really neat to, to play around with. So yeah, lots of things that people can learn about new tech in a not scary way on, on my socials and stuff. So they can go to Queen Tatiana on Twitter and then uh, I'm everywhere else. Um, and same thing with my music and get on Spotify and Amazon where they won't pay me barely anything so <laughs> donate well, to my page and it's more likely to have some <laughs> yeah well hopefully lots of people go over to spotify spotify and hit the play button a whole bunch of times so that way you can maybe get like a penny or two from uh all my listeners generating uh revenue for you we we could always hope and uh you know i thanks can't say that i've seen it from a common crown so uh, yeah talking on if you got anything else we'll close her out nope that's it thanks so much for having me on i'll see y'all guys later bye of course thank you save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.